Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joe Milmine, and this is episode 77, Knitting Goals. Hello and welcome to the show. I am Jo and if this is your first time joining us on the podcast, I hope you will enjoy what you find here and if you are a returning listener, welcome back. I hope you're fine and great to have you back with me again for another rip-roaring fun episode of the show. I hope you are well since I spoke to you last week. I know a few people have been rather sad about the Passing of David Bowie. Uh, obviously my tribute was to go and find a comedy knitting pattern to make a, a small replica Bowie. Um, I'm pleased to say there are knitting and crochet ones available. I do like Bowie. I love Labyrinth, one of my favourite films. And in fact, myself and uh, Mealy went to a friend's birthday party, an 80s themed birthday party dressed as Jarrus the Goblin King, who was indeed played by David Bowie. That wasn't me, that was him. And uh, I went as Sarah. So I had big drawn-on eyebrows and a kind of serious expression and a big billowy blouse, and he was the one who got to wear all the cool stuff. So I never buy fancy dress outfits, I always have to make them. And this particular outfit, you can have this one for free, um, if if you feel the need for such an outfit, it was comprised of um, grey leggings, a big white pirate shirt that came from that was kind of bought from a shop. It was a pirate shirt with a ruffly front, um, a leather waistcoat that was a bargain buy on eBay. Couldn't believe how cheap that was. And we picked it up from around the corner. It just so happened that the guy who was selling them was was lived on Anglesey. Random, lovely waistcoat as well. And um, a wig, a Tina Turner wig for the hair, not to mention, of course, a lot of um, eyebrow pencil. Now, my husband has got quite deep set eyes and quite thick eyebrows. So it was kind of um, amusing trying to pimp up his eyebrows to be all pointy like uh, the Goblin King. And of course, it would be remiss of me. And I never noticed this until Sock Kate pointed it out. So I was I was well over 21 by the time I'd realised this to be the case. And I know you all know what I'm going to say now. The outfit would not have been complete with at least two pairs of flying socks stuffed down the crotch. And anyone who's watched Labyrinth or grown up with it, once you realise that nearly every shot is a wanton crotch shot of Bowie, basically, or his his package, shall we say, all these strategically placed goblins that are at crotch height, um, you can't unsee that. It's like a builder's bum crack and provided no end of entertainment once, once my mind had been sullied by naughty sock Kate. So I implore you. Go and watch Labyrinth. If you've never watched it before, watch it. It's brilliant. If you have watched it before, it's always, you can always get another watch out of it. And uh, if you feel the need for some knitting patterns, then I can point you in the direction of those as well. So what have I got for you today then? Well, Bowie aside, RIP. Great girl, great guy. Um, I have some nitty goal setting chat uh, following on from our kind of start of the year 
knitting calendar planning. I have some goal planning for you because all of there's a lot of planners floating around on Instagram at the moment. Everyone's got new planners, everyone's got new calendars, everyone's got shed loads of washi tape, and we all need to put them to some good planning use. So I have a few tips for you on the knitty planning front and I have Enablers Corner and I have a review of Woolly Wormhead's Painted Woolly Toppers book. So grab yourself a beer, get your knitting and we will crack on with the show. So first up, before we properly crack into Enablers Corner, a couple of quick podcast-related notices. Tomorrow is the first patrons' virtual knit night. For those of you that are still catching up or have joined us just now, um, I have a Patreon to support the production of the podcast and basically um, we're going to have, as part of that, at the $5 per month level, there is a virtual knit night. And the first one is tomorrow evening at 9 o'clock p.m. GMT, 2100 um, GMT. With my good self and the other patrons, we're going to be having a virtual knit night on some special software. I've tested it the other night. works very exciting. And if you can't make it, there will be a recording for those who are in the patrons group, basically. I may at some point um, extend uh, to a, a wider one, but I'm limited as in terms of um, exactly how many people I can get onto one call. Uh, so for now, it's a patron-only thing. But if you wanted to take part in it, tomorrow night is um, when we're going to be doing it. It's a monthly thing. And if you're a bit late listening to this and it's already next week, um, let me know because I will squeeze another one in if there's a lot of you who miss out on it and you want to get involved because another virtual night is always good, in my opinion. So if you want to get involved with the Patreon, go over to www.patreon.com forward slash shinybees uh, to see the rewards and um, the other stuff we've got planned going over there. Also, the Swagporium is open, uh, the podcast Swagporium. Look out for some project bags going up in there very soon um, with the with the logo on. And um, the Shiny Bees Most Engaged Audience Yarn um, is on pre-order, but I have to close the pre-orders for that on the 24th of January. So if you want to get involved, you need to do so before the 24th of January. We have a self-stripe. And we have solids, uh, well, semi-solids in those colours as well. It comes on a 75-25 sock base and a sparkly sock base that's 75-20, 5% lena. Who doesn't love sparkly self-stripe? And we've also got a DK as well that comes in just the solid colours in the DK sparkle. So if you want to get involved, you need to get over there because obviously... The orders need to go in and they need to get shipped so we can all have wonderful, lovely, yarny goodness. So that is at www.shinybeeswagporium, all one word, .bigcartel.com. Links are in the show notes for that. And Enablers Corner. I have some knit-along enabling for you, as usual. First one is the Nature Shades Along. It's being run by Isla of Brit Yarn. 
purveyor of all things woolly and British and my Woolly Mucker Louise Scully of the Knit British podcast. This is a knit along with non-dyed yarn, essentially local non-dyed yarn. You can pick any pattern you like and as long as you can wear it, it kicks off tomorrow and details are over in the Knit British group. But if you are wanting to try natural shades of wool, or mohair or alpaca it's not just wool but it's natural shades of yarn not dyed shades that look like natural colors natural shades of yarn that come that's how they come off the sheep and you fancy having to play around with that then head over to the group at knit british and you can join in there i will put a link in the show notes i'm not going to be joining in um with this one purely because natural shades is the last thing you expect me to be knitting with and that's because it's just not me <laughs> I don't mind them but I don't think I could do I can't I couldn't just kind of dedicate my knitting life in the next two months to basically shades of beige so um no no not for me this one but if you fancy it I think it'll be a good one Louise does run a, a good knit along and there'll be a meetup at Edinburgh Yarn Festival to show off the finished objects so definitely a good community knit along there if you do have some lovely shinies particularly shinies that have been in your stash for a while maybe could consider them vintage then you might want to join in over at the golden skein with the vintage knit along the idea is is go into your stash find your oldest skein of yarn or one of your oldest skein of yarns be that a tgs skein or be that one of your own that you've picked get it out and make something with it so that is in the the golden skein group on ravelry and i'll put links to that in the show notes as well So next up is Knitty Goals then, and Knitty Goal setting in particular. After the Knitting Calendar chat last week and um, following chat in general round and about, people are starting to, as I say, they're getting their planners out, they're getting the washi tape out, they're starting to make plans about what they would like to achieve in their knitting life, um, or the crochet or equivalent interchangeable term for hobby. Um, knitting (laughs) over the next year and I think quite a lot of the time something you will probably identify with is our ability to think up ideas of what to make and yarn and project pairings and trimmings and buttons and styling is limitless however For most of us, our knitting time is far, far less than we would like and our ability to realise our own limitations when it comes to production of said projects is equally um, missing a kind of reality check. I think we all think that we can knit things faster than we do. We all think we can achieve things easier than we do and we all we all get a little bit distracted by the shiny shiny so i thought it might be worth um chatting and having a few pointers maybe on goal setting um but with reference to your knitting life in particular so i've put together sort of in my usual joe style five top tips for um basically setting and achieving your knitting goals in 2016 I think you know with all things like this it's important not to get too hung up on it 
but there's quite a lot of excitement and fun to be had in the planning stages as well. And referring you back to episode 75, another important thing to remember when you're doing all of this trying to achieve stuff is not to be thinking about the stuff that you're going to do next and concentrating too far in the future. It's also to kind of appreciate everything that you've achieved and looking at your progress rather than whether or not you've actually achieved the task right now this minute or even on time or even at all. You might decide halfway through, you know what, that might seem like a good idea at the time, but it's not for me. And that's also fine. It's very important not to be two nails on yourself when it comes to this stuff because that's why a lot of people don't want to do it. They don't enjoy setting goals because they don't want to be disappointed if they don't manage to achieve it. So don't be too hard on yourself. Um, But hopefully my tips will help you not pick things that are too ridiculous. So if you've ever wanted to knit a fair isle jumper or start beaded knitting or do a pie shawl or anything crazy like that, that's fine. Um, Employ some of these tips to help you get there basically. So number one, set goals that you find exciting and motivating. This, again, sounds like a bit of a flash of the blindingly obvious, um, but so many people pick things they don't actually really want, um, either because they think it'll be easy to achieve it, and therefore they can feel smug about achieving their goals, or because they just don't really think that hard about what what, what they want to do. Um, it has to be exciting, or else you're not going to get there. You're just not going to be motivated. No one's motivated by boring stuff. Um So ask yourself, why is this important to me to achieve it? Why do I need to know how to do Fair Isle? Why do I need to knit brioche? Why do I need to teach myself to knit continental? What's in it for me? Because it has to be, there has to be some reward in it as well. Now, some things are going to be intrinsically more motivating to you uh, than others. And knitting generally is a bit of fun, something we enjoy doing, and it isn't necessarily the only way to clothe ourselves so it's important to think about the the fun aspect of it in particular whether it's the satisfaction of completing a project whether you just want to to try it and see how it works um or whether it's like ticking things off a bucket list perhaps You, you know think about why it is important to you so when the going gets a little bit tough you can bring yourself back to why you are working towards this goal because your goals should be a little bit challenging in one way or another not completely nails but a bit challenging number two set goals you can measure progress against there's no point being vague because if you can't measure it how do you measure your progress how do you know how far you've progressed if you don't know where you started or what you're trying to achieve at the end of it so learn fair isle not a goal how how are you going to do that how will you know when it's finished you, you won't because you're just putting learn fair isle and um, there are a number of different ways you can do it smart is a really well known one using the smart kind of methodology the acronym to make sure that you've got enough detail in your goals some people say you shouldn't set smart goals um you do need to do it doesn't have to follow the exact acronym i don't think and for those that are not familiar again the acronym stands for several different kind of versions of of essentially the same thing um but it's specific measurable 
achievable, realistic and timely. But there are there are different versions of those words depending on who you're talking to about it. Um, I think it's fine as a methodology for setting goals personally. I'm like, yeah, well, some parts of it are more important than others um, when it comes to your goal. But if you start with that, if you're not familiar with setting goals um, and being very specific about what you're trying to achieve, then it's a good way to make sure you've got all the stuff in there that you need to have. Being specific is very important um, because if you're not specific enough about where you're trying to get to, how will you know when you've got there and how will you be able to know how far you have come? Measurable is the key thing. You need to know where you're starting from and you need to know where you're getting to. And you need to be able to measure the distance from one to another, be it in terms of you want to knit a thousand stitches of fair isle, you want to knit a fair isle jumper that will fit you, you want to knit a fair isle mug cosy, you want to knit a fair isle pair of socks um, in whatever size, it has to be measurable, otherwise you can't track your progress. And progress is the important thing. Finishing is not the important thing. Progress is the important thing. Achievable. Again, another thing that people struggle a lot with, with goal setting, is doing something that is, like, achievable, essentially. I have some more tips for making sure that your stuff, the goals, and everything you want to achieve is achievable um, in one of my other top tips. Uh, planning, 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 that's coming a bit later. Now, essentially, you know, it might be a very, very admirable thing to want to knock up a, you know, a facet blanket or something by Edinburgh Yarn Festival, and... You know, I'm sure you are dedicated enough. I don't question your commitment to the task in hand, but there are only 24 hours in a day. And you do have to do with things like sleep and eat occasionally. So, again, it's about that kind of tempering your ambition and enthusiasm against the realities of the boundaries of what is possible. Realistic. Again, it's like there's no point going from your first garter stitch scarf straight up to two-handed fair isle. You can, you can if you're very, very committed and you have the time and the resources available to you to pursue that goal because a lot of it is not just about your willingness or your commitment to it. It's also about your other strategic um, resources like time and you know money perhaps or other things um, is it realistic what you're trying to achieve are you going to get there um, is this the, the way you should be going should you look at maybe doing something a little bit easier and chunking down your goal into smaller steps that are much more uh, realistic for you to achieve and thereby over a longer time period you may well get to that goal um, there are lots of psychology things about how far in the future your goals should be and how you should set them and all that kind of stuff. And there, you know, if you want to talk about them at some point, you can, because I'm perversely interested in these kinds of things. Um, but uh, essentially, anything longer than sort of three months or, or 90 days is a bit too far in the future, really, for our poor little human brains to contemplate. So do you need to break down that goal to make it more realistic that you can achieve it? Um, in the time frame that you've got and then timely or time bound or however whichever kind of um, spin you want to put on that you need a time frame in which you want to try and do it again I often feel this can be a little bit flexible especially when it comes to your knitting unless you're knitting for an event like your wedding or someone's christening even if you're knitting for Christmas we can we, we are quite flexible with our 
our handmade stuff. I think it's something that's probably more relevant if you're doing something that is actually like life or death, you know, needs to be done by this point. Um, but also look at, you know, how much time do you have available uh, in order to prosecute basically your uh, knitting project of choice and your goal of choice, therefore. And look at whether you can, you know, make it a smaller project, uh, perhaps, and still achieve your goal um, in the time frame that you have. So that was number two. Think about your methodology and your SMART goal and make sure that you can measure your progress. Because like I said before, achieving the goal is, is a good thing and we always want to try and achieve our goals. But sometimes you're going to get halfway through and realise that actually the goal you picked was a poor goal to try and achieve. And... Being able to measure the progress stops you from being disheartened at not finishing the goal because sometimes finishing the goal actually isn't what you need to do to get where you need or want to be. Number three, write it down. Um, preferably somewhere you can see it regularly. Um, make a little picture on your screensaver on your phone. Change the password on your phone so that it's the same thing that you type it in over and over again or the password on your um, computer uh, would be better because uh, then it's not just numbers, of course. Um, change that, uh, your screensaver to something with, with those that goal on it, if you like. Put it up on your wall. Um, you know, put it, put it anywhere that you will see it often because um, that just keeps you focused on what you're looking to achieve. There are some people who say you shouldn't write goals down. There's, you know, it's like schools of thought on everything. Um, there's a school of thought that says if you write it down, you're more likely to achieve it. And there's a school of thought that says if you write it down um, or you share it with, with the wrong kind of people, then you're less likely to achieve it. So if you write it down or you share it with someone who um, who isn't basically on board with your goal then it's it's counterproductive and um, i think it works um and it takes it out of your head and makes it into something physical as well which gives it more chance of of working and you can always you know set draw yourself a little chuff chart and tick off when you've done a certain you know certain amounts of it a to-do list i guess of that i don't i don't really go in for to-do lists i use the eisenhower matrix but um they're all ways that can kind of keep it at the front of your mind and um, let you see in a kind of tangible way how far you're getting. Now, obviously, for knitting, it's quite easy because quite often we can see our goal unfurling in front of our eyes. Um, but for other sort of goals that you're trying to achieve, it might not be as possible for that. So that's my tip number three. Write it down and write it as though it has already happened. I am a ninja at Fair Isle and I've knitted my own vest. Or similar, uh, will do. Number four, my favourite project, my favourite pastime, <laughs> planning, planning, planning. Again, it sort of comes back in, in part to the smart target setting, although that's just a methodology and I talked around it um, for making sure that you are specific enough with your goals. But um, I find that us creative types, and I, I am guilty of this, um, quite often don't really our ambition and, well, I, I suppose it's, I could take you back to a military turn, it's like um, a threat. You can't have a threat without having capability and intent. And I guess the threat for us is is the projects that we're going to do. And we might have the intent, but do we have the capability in terms of resources of time, ability, money, etc.? So 
what I always do or recommend that people do as well when they're looking at projects or looking at goals that they're trying to achieve is go back to the brass tacks, go back to basics, work out what the requirements are for you to achieve that, work out how fast you can do each of those things, work out the time frame you have available to you, work out how much of those things you need to achieve per day and then look at it and say, well, do the numbers add up? Is this realistic? So if you want to knit a pie shawl by Edinburgh Yarn Festival and you have 11 weeks available to you to do that and you can knit 18 massive big long rows a day, how many days will it take you to knit it? Will you make it on time? If not, how many more rows per day do you need to do? And sometimes looking at it in a really, really obvious, written down, done the maths way will be will make things patently obvious to you whether you can get there or not and um, it sounds like a basic thing but so many people just don't bother doing it and they just get a little bit flappy when it gets close to the deadline and they're not going to make it because they've not done the groundwork planning is essential and doing all the steps of the plan and working it out properly to check the feasibility of what you're trying to do is really important now i will caveat this with no plan survives the first contact, you may well have to change the plan. But if you're going to set something out at the beginning and check the feasibility of it, then you need to do the groundwork. So check the feasibility of your project or your goal. And if you're not going to get there, there's nothing wrong with that. Just make your goal a little bit easier. Or give yourself a little bit more time. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're realistic when you start, then you're less likely to get disappointed when you don't get there because you'll have picked something realistic to start with that you can achieve. Give yourself a fighting chance, essentially. And the last one, number five, is accountability. Now, tell people who are interested and have a vested kind of interest in you achieving your goal. So your nitty mates are usually a good one for that or consider joining a knit along if you don't have any nitty mates that are doing something along the lines that you are or are that interested in the final points of knitting brioche doll clothes, for instance, um, you can go and find a group on Ravelry that do like to do that or start your own. And you could join a, a knit along, for instance, if you need a bit of external accountability or people to talk to about it. A knit along's a good way of um, you all going through it together and learning things together. Uh, you could set up some kind of reward system where you give yourself a little mini reward every time you achieve one of your sort of um, milestones in your project, if you will. Or maybe you could do something like a post a day on Instagram so that other people follow your progress and talk to you about it and you can look back and see how far you have come. So those are my sort of five tips for nitty goal setting in terms of setting out what you want to achieve and figuring out how feasible it is and helping you to pick things that you can get there with and not get disappointed and frustrated by doing a little bit of groundwork first. So if you have your nitty goals all laid out ready for this year of what you want to achieve, come over to the group on Ravelry and share them with all of us, your vested interest people and share what you're looking to achieve this year and what your plan is for getting there you may well find that other people are doing something similar and we could pair our up or have little accountability partner buddies uh, to help you get to uh, where you're looking to be i know knitting is 
it is fun and it's a pastime for people and it doesn't have to be super serious and I'm not trying to make it super serious by any stretch but there are people who are out there and they want you know they're very driven and want to learn things and they have things they want to achieve and it's just a way to help people who are looking to do that and if you just want to chill you know hang out in the group do a bit of knitting every now and again not set any goals just go with the flow that's fine too so they're my top five tips for goal setting I hope you will find them useful. So I interviewed Woolly Wormhead a while ago in episode 61 and in that I think we talked about Painted Woolly Toppers, the book, and I am now here on the podcast reviewing it for you. If you've not listened to episode 61 yet because you're new, um, Woolly Wormhead is a hat designer and has been designing hats for quite some time now. She has a series of uh, Woolly Topper books, the latest of which is uh, Painted Woolly Toppers, 10 hats designed for hand-dyed, painted and variegated yarns. All of her books are self-published and uh, she is a hat architect that's what she's into she enjoys designing hats it was a really interesting interview that she gave about the you know the kind of processes and how she goes about designing her hats and what inspires her and it was really interesting so I definitely recommend if you've not listened to it maybe going back and uh, giving it a try and if you have revisit it there's probably going to be things in there that you didn't hear the first time around and uh, you could benefit from this time so um i was sent the book for review very kindly by willie her very own self and i had a good look through good mooch through um the projects and techniques made some notes for you and hopefully you will uh, find this useful so the book um as you'd expect begins with a techniques section Um, which is very well explained in the text. Woolly was a teacher in a previous kind of job slash career slash life almost and this does show there's a big difference between being a knitting designer and being a teacher and being a knitting designer who used to be a teacher or still is a teacher. The quality of the writing and explanation is just far higher Um, as you would expect from someone who has that extra skill set and that's something I massively appreciate and look for uh, as someone who's trained as a teacher as well Um, I think that's only what you should expect really uh, from a book and this is very well written in the instructions because some of the instructions are fairly advanced techniques and because of the construction of her hats and there are some projects in there that probably will stretch you a little bit it, it needs to be very well written and um, it is. It's not effusive in its technique section. There's enough to get the job done, but there's certainly not any fluff there. And it, that is because it's a self-published book and you can choose to put extra fluff in if you want to, but obviously every extra page of fluff, um, it costs you more money in printing. Um, so... Like I said, it's a really good balance between getting the message across in a clear, succinct and understandable way and not being super fluffy if you don't need to. Patterns-wise, there are 10 of them and they've all been designed for hand-dyed, hand-painted and variegated yarns. All of us will have at least one of these in our stash unless you're super, I would say boring, it might be a bit harsh, um, reserved perhaps in your choice of yarn. 
uh, dye style. Everyone's got one crazy skein of variegated yarn because they are beautiful. We love them. And Woolies, you know, pulled together this collection to fully showcase those wondrous skeins to the best effect. So the first pattern is Geostra, and you'll have to forgive any random pronunciation on my part, which is a reverse stocking stitch hat, which has these slip stitch lines going up the body of the hat, and they are topped with a little bobble nup type um, bit of texture on the top. It kind of reminds me of a circuit board, a very symmetrical circuit board. It's quite cool, a bit different, not, not quite as like there are some of the other ones in terms of structure, um, but certainly uh, one that probably you could knit for quite a number of people. Next up is coin. <clears throat> this is a garter stitch um, brim around the side and the foreheads and then stitches are picked up along that to knit the main body of the hat. Then we have jetty which is a beret with um, a drop stitch or dropped yarn over pattern details so there are wider parts where the drop stitches have been dropped basically which allows for bigger splashes of colour within the the patterning of the yarn on the on the on the beret so quite a, a normal construction of beret but obviously with these drop stitches um or drop yarn overs it, it does bring out bigger bits of patterning in the colour rather than competing with the yarn by being over the top in terms of structure etc. Helical is a travelling slip stitch beanie where the slip stitch spins around spins around the head. Again, dead wearable and a lovely way of slip stitches of showing off those little flecks of colour in a highly variegated yarn. Cornice is a really structural fitted hat with pointy ear flaps that um, sort of extend backwards and down behind the jawline and then finish at the neck so it doesn't come all the way down the back of the neck. Um, and a pom-pom. Love a pom-pom. Uh, Dancette is a really interesting sideways short row construction and this, when it's knitted, produces a really unusual uh, striped chevron type effect on the body of the yarn. It's a beanie, um, but because it's all kind of sideways and um, these chevron where it's mitering in together, again, it plays on the colours in the yarn really nicely. Rosaline? Uh, Rosaline. Rosaline. Uh, it's a slouchier fit beanie, this one. I really will learn to write nicely one day. <laughs> With a brim that extends out again and down past the back of the ears and um, Woolly has a, quite a few of these um, where the, the brim doesn't go all the way around like an ordinary hat there's almost like the brim is a separate thing added onto it and it will stop at certain points to accentuate certain features um, either on the person that's wearing them or of the hat. Lamitra, um, I like this one, I've liked it for a while, is a tam or a beret which again because of the stitches and the construction creates really interesting patterning across the piece. And then Vortice, which is a swirling garter, stick, uh, garter stitch construction with four mini peaks on the crown. So it kind of, it's quite plain, it looks quite plain beanish and then you get to the crown and there's these four little mini peaks which remind me slightly of the bottom of a pot bottle. Sorry Woolly, <laughs> but they do. And last but by no means least is Galon, or Galone, which again is um, a knitted sideways brim where the body's picked up 
and then it's sort of knitted into what looks like seamed panels with quite a loose drapey I'm doing a little hand movement that you can't see here um crown like almost like a square crown and the, the seams kind of come into a point at the crown but it's not a pointed crown the seams are just crossing in a cross shape possibly the hardest pattern I've ever had to describe on the podcast and I have had some patterns on this podcast so yeah 10 patterns there obviously you, from what you've heard there are some that are more simple than others to achieve and there are some that use construction to really play on the colors in a yarn and depending on obviously hand-painted yarns are all different depending on which one you use and um, you're going to get a completely different effect every time so definitely I think a book that could be or patterns that could be visited again and again and would get wildly different results because of the type of yarn used so what do I like about it well, there are some really interesting constructions and if you've done a few hats in the past and you want something to kind of stretch the old grey matter, this could be a great book for you. I love the use of crazy hand-painted yarns because, as you know, I can't stand those. <laughs> They're my favourite thing in the world and um, any extra uses of those, because they can, they are beautiful, they can present some challenges when it comes to pairing them with patterns because of the way that they behave or they pool or they flash when the colours come together. Sometimes that's really beautiful, sometimes not so much. Um, so I always like a book or a set of patterns that will give more options for those to use them. And you know what, these patterns are so kind of structural anyway. If you used to play in yarn, this still be really interesting. So double win for me there. Um, I like the variety of levels of project. There are some that are, they all look quite, I don't want to say fashion because fashion's the wrong word, quite edgy, I guess, and not your normal stuff. And she talks about this in the interview about, you know, her design aesthetic. I love that it's done in Manchester as well. All the photography is in the northern quarter in Manchester, which is um, a, a very favourite old haunt of mine. Uh, Kate Heppel looks glorious in in her hats it's nice to see models that are not all stick thin because most of us knitters aren't <laughs> despite what certain pattern houses would have you think indeed um not all of us are um a size zero or equivalent <laughs> um and she looks great she's got really um high cheekbones and she just looks amazing in the hats as do the other models um not that it's all about sort of superficial stuff like that but it's nice to see um, a range of different people wearing the um, finished objects and I like the styling um, that's been used in the book. What do I not like as much? Um, quite again quite small things that really you could give or take them you could argue the toss and it's not going to make a massive amount of difference either way. What I didn't like as much is that the in the specs for the pattern where you get all of the the blurb basically about you know tension and what yarn's been used and everything the name of the yarn that is used is in there the weight is not in there not obviously in there which it would normally be as far as I'm aware it would normally be certainly you'd have like dk 100 grams blah 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 it would tell you all of the yarn details for that yarn um so that obviously you can you know how many you need but also so you can swap it out if you want to a bit easier it didn't have that on any of the patterns and I would have liked to have seen that there may be a very good reason why not 
and it could be to do with saving space or whatever else but I per even as a minimum I would like to see the weight of the yarn and the yardage of the yarns that are used and um, like I said the name of them the brand name was on it but you're guessing as to what actual weight it is and unless you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of tensions um you're not going to know not going to be able to guess basically so i would quite like to see the weights of, of the yarn and the yarn details on there and i would also quite like to see more pictures of the projects in the book there was one image per pretty much per pattern and then there were some more images at the end i really like the photography and i like the way they were styled and i like the hats and i would like to see more pictures of them so i think especially in an ebook there's a bit of scope for doing that, but then obviously it is extra work to produce and you can't just send the same file or, you know, a different resolution, but same file off for printing. I just, it's just because I like the photography and um, quite a lot of the books I've worked on recently have had a lot of imagery in, so I think I've been spoiled with that. Um, but I, would, I just, I really like the photography and I would like to see more pictures of the projects. So they're my kind of, you know, things that are maybe uh, could be improved upon. Um, but again, you know, nothing major there, no big showstoppers. If you didn't have those details or more pictures, nobody's going to die. You can go and look up the yarns, it's just a pain in the backside. So, and I, I haven't got time for that. <laughs> I haven't got time to wipe my own backside, frankly. So, um, I would quite like to see the yarn details in there. But as I say, lots and lots of great stuff in terms of patterns, construction and using hand-painted yarns. So, would I buy this book? If I knitted more hats, certainly, I've only ever knitted like three hats, um, three different hat patterns, certainly. Um, if, I, if I got into knitting hats, I would definitely have it, purely because of the number of different um, options you've got for crazy yarns, which do lend themselves to hats a little bit more than other projects, perhaps. It's more just because I'm not much of a hat knitter that I wouldn't go out and snap it up right now. Um, but as I said, if I, if I was a more of one and did get into knitting them more... Um, beyond my current repertoire of the hipster hat, the lapsang hat by Claire Devine, which is chunky, so dead quick. Um, and that's it, really. Or, oh, yeah, and Snarheed, that they are my three hats so far. So um, maybe I should knit more hats and I could go and get one. Um, but they are the really cool patterns, so definitely would be, once I do start knitting more hats, I think it's definitely something that I would invest in. So that is my review of Painted Woolly, to Woolly Toppers by Woolly Wormhead. And as I said, if... Um, she has got a back catalogue of woolly topper books, uh, all about hats. She's massively into hats, so if hand-painted yarns aren't your thing, then maybe go check out her back catalogue and you may find something that you will like. She also has on her website some free patterns as well, so if you've never tried Woolly Wormhead's patterns before, get in there, get one of the free patterns and try it out so you know the quality of the pattern writing and everything before you buy. So head on over to i believe it's woollywormhead.com but i'll put a link in the show notes well i think that's all we've got time for this week i hope you have enjoyed the show don't forget if you want to come join in with the virtual knit nights and all of the patron fun head over to patreon.com forward slash shiny bees and you can get involved likewise with the swagporium so all that remains for me, I think, to say now is I hope you have a wonderful week. Happy crafting, and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.
listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog, or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by a Music Alley, and it is Adam and the Water Boys, and I need a drink. I need a drink.